0: So in the last sessions we were on that topic, on that section where he was talking about, the author was talking about the Iman in the affairs of the Day of Judgment. And we had spoken briefly about the signs of the hour. The signs of the hour, like we said, there are three types. You can consider them as three types in terms of the time zone. The signs of the hour are three types in terms of the time zone. There are signs which have already occurred and happened and gone. Like the sending of the final messenger. The sending of the final messenger and the conclusion of the messengership, the seal of the prophets, the conclusion of the revelation, all of that is a sign of the hour. So that has occurred. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the final messenger, has come and gone. The revelation has now cut off. All of that is a sign that the hour is close. Secondly, There are signs which are occurring currently in the present tense. Signs that are occurring around us right now. And those signs are numerous also. You could say signs such as the plentiful drinking of alcohol, of fornication, all of these types of things, they occur right now. Even the issue of building tall buildings has something, is something which has occurred across the world and is occurring. So there are signs which are occurring right now in the present tense. Then there are signs in the future tense. Signs that will occur in the future. And that is what we spoke about last time. Some of the major signs of the hour the major signs that will occur at the end of time, like descending of the Dajjal, the coming of the Dajjal, the descent of Isa alayhi salam, the return of Isa alayhi salam, Ya'juj and Ma'juj, the beast, the sun rising from the west, all of these types of events that will occur at the end of time, They are the future signs yet to come. They are the major signs. So signs of the hour are signs in the past, signs in the present, and signs in the future. Then, talking about this day of judgment, the belief in the day of judgment itself begins from the moment of death. All the way through until paradise or hell. When a person dies from that moment, everything which occurs and happens, all the way until entering paradise and hell, and that which is within it, is within the belief, Al-Iman Bil-Yawmi al So when a person dies or is about to die, that is known as al ihtidar Al-ihtadar is those moments prior to the death of an individual. And in those moments, as an individual dies, we know that the angels, they come upon him. The angel of death comes upon him and takes the soul of that individual we know that the angels are there, even though we do not see them. And they take the soul of that individual. How does the soul exit from the body of an individual? Depends upon the believer and the disbeliever. As for the believer, يسيل يسيل الصقع, It flows out just like water flows out of a vessel, how the water flows out, the soul of a believer flows out with ease. However, as for the disbeliever, it is mentioned in the sunnah that the soul of a disbeliever exits with difficulty, the soul of a disbeliever exits with difficulty and the example given is like that of a bowl of wet wool. You have a pile of wet wool. Wool that you have poured water upon so it is wet. a al If you were to then put a hook into the middle of it, into that wet bowl of wool. Now you try to take the hook out of the middle of it, it is going to rip that wool as the hook comes out. No matter how careful you are, because it is hooked, it will rip that wool as it comes out. That is the example given of the soul of a disbeliever exiting from his body. Exiting from the body with difficulty like a like a hook. Exiting from wet wool, ripping it apart as it exits. Because the soul does not want to exit from that disbeliever. Knowing what the end result will be now. So the soul comes out with difficulty. Tearing the insides of that person. That is the examples given in the sunnah of how death occurs to a believer and to a disbeliever. The ease by which the soul exits from a believer and the difficulty by which the soul exits from a disbeliever. Then after that, after death occurs, the soul separates from the body, and that is the definition of death, ruh lil Separation of the soul from the body, that is what death is, and that's why sleeping, when you go to sleep, it is known as the minor death, because the soul separates from the body in the sleep, And the souls that Allah keeps behind and they do not return, then that person dies in his sleep. And the others, they are returned to that person. So the sleep is known as the minor death because the soul separates from the body. The major death is the moment of actual death when the soul separates for good from this life. Then in the afterlife, in the grave, the soul returns to that body. But in this world now, the soul separates from that body for good, in this world. It will now only return back in the hereafter. So what is the hereafter, after death? Then after death, a person goes through the stage known as al-barzakh. Al-barzakh. In Arabic means a barrier between two things. Barzakh, the meaning of that word, is a barrier between two things. So the barzakh is the barrier between this world and the hereafter. The barzakh is the barrier between this world and the hereafter. A person in the barzakh will experience certain things. In that barzakh, in the grave, for most people, the angels come to that individual. Two angels, they come to the individual. يَأْتِيهِ Malakan Aswadan أَزْرَقَانْ Those two angels, black and blue, they come to that individual and they sit him up fayujlisanihi wa yasalanihi they sit the person up in his grave and they ask him these two angels are al-munkar wal-nakir al-munkar wal-nakir wa la tunkira jahlan munkaran wa As Ibn Abi Da'ud mentioned, do not upon ignorance reject al-munkar wal-nakir. They are two of the angels who will come to you in your grave after death. They sit the person up and they will ask the questions. That questioning in the grave is known as what? It is known as fitnatul qabr. The trial of the grave. The trial of the grave, fitnatul qabr, is when those angels, they come to you after your death, whether you were buried or not. Every person after death, this will happen. Even if your body was burnt completely and finished off after death, you will be there. And the angels will come, al-munkar nakir in black and blue appearance. And they will question you with those questions: Man rabbuka who is your lord? Wamadinuka, and what is your religion? Waman and who is your prophet? As for the believer, then he will answer, just as Allah says in the Quran. Dunya wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make firm those who believe, those who have Iman in this world and in the hereafter. How will Allah make you firm in the hereafter? The meaning of that is at the time of the trial of the grave. You will be kept firm when the questioning of the angels occurs to you. That is the meaning of a person being made firm in the hereafter. When the questioning of the angels occurs to you, then Allah will keep the believers firm in answering correctly. As for the disbelievers, when that questioning occurs, then as the narration mentions, they will say, Ahi, ahi, Sami'tu yaquluna shay'an They will say, Ahi, ahi, I heard the people saying something and I said it. But they don't know what's going on. Their religion, their lord, their prophet. They were not upon iman. They were not upon Islam. So they will not Pass that test. They will fail the test of the angels. So upon a Muslim is to be aware in detail of those three points. Who is your Lord? Who is your Lord? Who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What do you know about the names of Allah? The attributes of Allah? What do you know about your creator? Knowing Allah, having knowledge of Allah is important. The one that you worship and do your obedience for, surely you need to be aware. The one who created you and provided for you and sustained you and created all of what you see around you in the heavens and the earth. The one deserving of your worship alone. Then you need to be aware of who your Lord is. Similarly, you need to be aware of what your religion is. What is Al Islam? What are the evidences for your religion? The five pillars of Islam, the shahada and the meaning of it, the conditions of it, the prayer, the pillars of the prayer, the obligations of the prayer, the sunnah acts of the prayer, All of the rulings regarding the prayer. The zakat, similarly. The fasting, similarly. The hajj, similarly. A person needs to be upon knowledge regarding these affairs. So that you as a Muslim actually understand your religion of Islam. You understand the pillars of Islam. And you understand the pillars of Iman. Iman in Allah. Iman in the angels. Who are the angels of Allah? What are they? What are their names? What are their jobs? Iman in the books that Allah has revealed to us. The revelations. Iman in the prophets and the messengers. 300 odd messengers that came. Over a 100,000 prophets that came. To have knowledge of the prophets and the messengers. And in particular... Knowledge of Muhammad wasallam Also knowledge of the Day of Judgment and everything in our Iman regarding it. Also knowledge of the decree that we spoke about before, the qadr These are affairs that every Muslim needs to have knowledge of. An individual who is ignorant of his religion, ignorant of what it is to be a Muslim, then how are you going to be a Muslim properly? How are you going to practice your religion if you don't even know what your religion is properly? So that question will be asked to you in your grave. What is your religion? What is Islam? So a person needs to know. And thirdly, who is your Prophet? Who is your Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa A person claims to be Muslim, says he is Muslim. But it doesn't know anything about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Doesn't know anything about his lineage. Doesn't know anything about his parents, his wives, his children. Doesn't know anything about the history of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa the biography of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Then that type of person is upon great ignorance. How can you not know about the final messenger? How can you not know and you say, Ashhhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa you bear testification that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. Then how can you not have details regarding him and have knowledge regarding him? You must. So this is the fitna tul qabr. The questioning of the grave. The trial of the grave that occurs. There are certain people who are exempt from the trial of the grave. Certain people will be exempt from the trial of the grave. One category of people who will be exempt from the trial of the grave are the prophets and the messengers. The prophets and the messengers are exempt from the trial of the grave. One of the reasons for that is because one of the questions is Man Yuka. who is your prophet the prophets and messengers themselves are the prophet so the scholars said it wouldn't make sense to ask the prophet who is your prophet he was the prophet who was sent so that is one reasoning the scholars gave why the prophets and messengers themselves won't be questioned another reasoning the scholars they gave is because the martyrs are exempt from the questioning of the grave. In a narration, a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, مَا بَالُوا الْمُؤْمِنِينَ يُفْتَنُونَ فِي قُبُورِهِمْ إِلَّا الشَّهِيدِ That how come all of the believers are going to be tested in their graves except for the martyrs? So the Prophet ﷺ said, كَفَى بِبَارِقَةِ الصُّيُوفِ عَلَى ra'sihi فِتْنَةً Sufficient was the clanging of the swords upon his head. That he was killed in the path of Allah as a test for him. That is sufficient as a test. That he went and died in that way in the path of Allah. That is sufficient as a test. So the martyrs are exempt from the trial of the grave. If the martyrs are exempt from the trial of the grave, then surely the prophets and messengers are going to be exempt because the prophets and messengers are higher level than the martyrs. So the prophets and messengers, the martyrs, they are exempt from the trial of the grave. And there are some other categories too that the scholars they mentioned. But generally speaking then, that is the trial of the grave, the fitnatul qabr that occurs. Then also something which happens in the barzakh, also from our iman in the barzakh, is عذاب qabr wa naimuhu, The punishments of the grave and the blessings of the grave. Punishments and blessings occur in the grave. Because when a person dies, a person dies now, is buried. He is there, buried, and will remain there, all the way until the actual day of judgment. So what is happening to these people who have died in their graves, wherever, all the way there, until the day of judgment? What is happening to them? Punishment or blessing? In their graves or wherever. Whether they were buried or not. Whether they were burnt or eaten by an animal. Doesn't matter. The ones who have died. They are now in that barzakh. And they will be either in blessings. Or they will be in punishments. And that continues up until the day of judgment. عذاب القبر All the way إلى يوم القيامة. That is something we have iman in. That the people who have died Are either in punishment Or they are in blessing What is the proof for that? One of the evidences That is clear Is What you read Or what you should read In the prayer at the end It is sunnah To read at the end of your prayer In the last part of the tashahud Allahumma inni أَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ عَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you. I ask you for protection from the punishment of the grave. That dua you're supposed to read at the end of every prayer before you give the salam. The Prophet ﷺ taught us to read that dua. To ask Allah to protect us from the punishment of the grave. Proving therefore that the punishment of the grave is certainly real. The punishment of the grave is certainly real. The Prophet ﷺ told us to ask Allah to protect us from it. Other evidences and proofs about the punishment of the grave, the famous hadith, مَرَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى الله عليه وسلم بقبرين فقال إنهما ليعذبان that the Prophet Sallallahu one time Walked past two graves And he said those two They're being punished in their graves يُعَذَّبَان Then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Went on to explain the reason Why they were being punished in their graves قال, فَكَانَ لَا يَسْتَنْزِهُ He said one of them used to go around with namima. He used to go around spreading stories and tales between people to cause corruption. Going to one people saying to them, you know, they were saying this about you and that about you. And then going to another one and saying, you know, they were saying this about you and that about you. Going around to the different individuals, spreading stories and tales to cause corruption. That is Namima. He is the Namam. So the Prophet ﷺ said, one of them used to do that. One of them used to go around causing trouble by spreading stories between people. He said this and he said that about you. The second one, <laughs> He never used to look after himself when urinating. Anyone narration never used to cover himself when urinating. So that is another cause for the punishment of the grave. This narration affirms therefore that those two individuals were being punished in the grave. The Prophet ﷺ said these two are being punished in their graves. There are other evidences also that prove the punishment of the grave. In the ayah in the Quran, Allah tells us about Pharaoh. That Pharaoh, Fir'aun, from the time of Musa, is being punished in the grave right now. That the people of Pharaoh, they have been engulfed with a severe punishment. And they are being punished upon the fire, day and night. And then, on that day when the hour is established, Allah will say, "Now put Pharaoh." into a more severe punishment. What is the more severe punishment? Hellfire. The hellfire itself. So right now, they're in a lesser punishment. That is the punishment of the grave. النَّارُ يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَيْهَا Day and night they are being punished by the fire. It's not the hellfire. Because on the day of judgment, Allah will say, now put them into the greater punishment. The greater punishment is obviously the hellfire. So which one are they in now? Now they are in the fire of the grave. In their graves, in Barzakh, they are being punished. So this indicates again another evidence proving the punishment of the grave. Blessings of the grave. There are also evidences to prove that. Evidences to prove the blessings of the grave. It mentions about the souls of the martyrs, that they are in Thir. They are in the green birds, in the green birds that fly from the lanterns of paradise. They are in the green birds that fly around in the lanterns of paradise and the throne of Allah. Tasrahu That they fly upon those areas. That is blessing. Their souls are in blessing. And this is all in the time of the Barzakh. There are other narrations that say, The believers, their grave will be made expanded so expanded that it's as far as their eyesight can see that is how big and spacious their grave is as far as their eyesight can see and a door to paradise is opened a door to paradise is opened for him so comes to him what comes to him from the fragrances of paradise and he sees yara maq'adahu sees his place in paradise and he says ya my lord establish the hour make the day of judgment happen now because he wants to go into that paradise and take his place as for the disbeliever, it is mentioned in the texts that his grave is squashed upon him. فَتَخْتَلِفُ His bones, his ribs are squashed, cracked, with the grave squashed upon him. وَيُفْتَحُ لَهُ بَابِ إِلَى الجهنم. A door is opened up into hellfire. And the evil smells and the heat and the poisonous affairs of hellfire come to him into his grave from that door. And he sees his place in the hellfire. And he says, Ya Rabbi, La Tuqim Issa. My Lord, do not make the day of judgment happen. Do not establish the hour. Because he does not want to go into the punishment he sees where his place is in the hellfire. So this all proves that the punishments and the blessings of the grave are real. There are many other proofs too. Ayat in the Quran that mention the angels beat those people in their graves. When they die, the wrongdoers, the angels beat them with metal Equipment, rods and other things that are mentioned in the ayat They beat their backs and they beat their faces A question arises here that the author talks about in the book Punishment and blessing of the grave Does it occur to the body of that person Or to the soul of that person Or to both so punishments and blessings of the grave, do they occur to the body of that person or to the soul of that person or both? What is the answer? عذاب القبر Is it upon the body or upon the soul or upon both of them? Both. So, some scholars, they said, like Ibn Hazm, they said, it is upon the soul only. This is one opinion. Opinion number one. Opinion number one of some of the scholars like Ibn Hazm, he said, it is upon the soul only. One of the evidences he used one of his evidences he said is If we were to open up the grave If we were to dig up the grave of somebody A few days after he was buried We would not see any signs of beatings upon him We do not You dig up a person a few days later, his body is as it was. There is no signs of beatings, it says in the Quran. The angels beat their backs and their faces with metal. Where is the signs of the bruising on their bodies? Will there be any sign of any bruising on their bodies? Nothing. Dig a person up, you'll find nothing. Put a camera into the grave, after you bury them, you'll see nothing. Nothing. They said, therefore, it must be just on the soul. Nothing's happening to the body. You can look; nothing's happening to the body. It must be the soul. Only the punishment and the blessings of the grave. So, what do you think?
1: Because uh, when we're calling it barzakh, so we, there is a barrier which we can't see, and uh, narrations about the ribs and sitting up.
0: Exactly. So the barzakh is عِلْمُ الْغَيْبِ. It is knowledge of the unseen. The barzakh is unseen to us. So even though we might put a camera in when we bury somebody, see what happens. You'll see nothing. Nothing will happen. You won't see anything. Because what is happening now to that person after his death, after his burial, is from the unseen to us. The angels coming to him. You won't see any of that. The questioning happening. You won't see any of that. Put a camera in there. You're not going to see the door opening up to paradise. The door opening up to hellfire. You won't see anything. All of that which happens is from the unseen to us. So you can't use that as a proof and say it must be just the soul. You can't. It could be happening to the body. There beatings happening to the body. But we can't see that. So that is a weak opinion. The ones who say it is only upon the soul. There is opinion number two. Which says it is upon the body only. And they have proof too. They use the narration of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam talking to the bodies of the dead kuffar after one of the battles. And Sir so Umar ibn al Khattab when the Prophet was saying to them, Have you found what you were looking for, Allah has promised us our promise, what about you? Those dead bodies. So Umar ibn Khattab said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi la Wasallam, You're talking to these bodies, there's no souls left in them now, they're dead. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Ma anta bi asma min, minhum. You do not hear any better than they can hear. So it seems in that narration as if the Prophet ﷺ is affirming that those bodies can hear him. Which indicates that the bodies themselves experience all of this in the hereafter. Because Umar ibn Khattab said, you're talking to them, their souls have gone, they're dead. But the Prophet ﷺ said, they can hear as you can hear. There's more explanation to that hadith. But briefly, briefly it seems to indicate that the bodies themselves experience things. So some of the scholars said, maybe it's just the bodies then. The bodies experience that beating and that punishment and blessing of the grave. However, opinion number three, which is the strongest opinion, uh, al Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentioned this is the opinion of the Salaf and this is the correct opinion, that the punishments and the blessings of the grave occur both to the body and to the soul. And there are examples that indicate that the crushing of the ribs, that's happening to what? To the body. When the souls of the believers go fly around in those birds, that's the souls. So this indicates things are happening to the body and to the soul. So the punishment and the blessing of the grave is upon the bodies and the souls. Again, there are certain people who are exempt from the punishment of the grave one of those categories that is mentioned who are exempt from the punishment of the grave it is mentioned a person who dies on what day on Fridays it is mentioned there is a hadith a Sheikh Al-Albani says it is correct an authentic narration. That a person who dies on a Friday is exempt from the punishment of the grave. It is mentioned. Also, Man ma'ta batn. A person who dies due to an illness of the stomach. Whether it may be some severe diarrhea or some inflammation of the stomach or some other issue to do with your stomach. A person who dies due to a disease of the stomach, it is mentioned, is exempt from the punishment of the grave also. There is a narration where two of the Salaf were talking. And they heard about the janazah of somebody. So they wanted to go. Because one of them said, that man, he died because of an illness to his stomach. Didn't the Prophet ﷺ say, Whoever dies because of an illness of the stomach will be protected from the punishment of the grave. The other one said, Bala. Yes, of course. So they wanted to go and witness and be present at his janazah, knowing that he would be somebody exempt from the punishment of the grave. There are some exceptions. How does a person protect himself from it? Like we just said. You ask Allah, you make dua, for protection from the punishment of the grave, Allahumma inni asking Allah for protection. Also, reciting what Surah
1: Al-Mulk.
0: Surah Al-Mulk as well. This is mentioned by some scholars too, that it is mentioned in the Sunnah. Some narrations about reciting Surah Al-Mulk, and that it is a means of protection. And that some of the Salaf used to say that this surah was their protection from the punishment of the grave. That is also mentioned. And generally of course obedience. The more obedience and worship and righteousness a person is upon, then the more he has from protection uh, from the punishment of the grave. So after the trial of the grave and the punishment of the grave, then eventually we come to the stage where the actual day of judgment will be established. The signs of the hour will occur and then the day of judgment will be established. How will the day of judgment be established? The author mentions it in the book there about the blowing of the trumpet. We believe as Ahlul Sunnah that there will be A horn or a trumpet, however you want to say it, a qarn, as they say in Arabic, that will be blown on that day. It will be blown by who? By Israfil, the angel. Blown by Israfil, the angel. When that horn, that trumpet is blown, that will signal the Day of Judgment. And it will be blown how many times? Once, twice, three times. It will be blown at least twice. And some of the scholars, they say, three times. There is a difference of opinion between the scholars, whether it will be blown twice, or whether it will be blown three times. But that trumpet, that horn will be blown on that day. If it is blown twice, then in the first blowing of the horn, everybody is in shock and dies. And then in the second blowing of the horn, everybody is resurrected. As the ayah says, فَإِذَا هُمْ قِيَامٌ يَنظُرُونَ Then they'll be standing up looking, resurrected. If it is three blowings of the trumpet, then the scholars, they say, the first blowing of the horn will be that shock. The second one, they will fall unconscious. Third one, they will be resurrected. So that will be the blowing of the horn. When it is blown the first time, and then it is blown the second time, how much is the gap between the two? What's the time period between the first blowing of the horn and the second blowing of the horn? المدى بين النفخة الأولى والثانيكة we don't know. There is a hadith, hadith of Abu Hurairah, where they asked Abu Hurairah, Abu Hurairah, come how long is the time period between the first blowing of the trumpet and the second blowing of the horn? قال أربعون. he said forty. طيل له أربعون سنة. they said do you mean forty years? قال أبو هريرة أبيت. I refuse to acknowledge that. قالوا أربعون شهرا. forty months. قال أبيت. قَالُوا أَرْبَعُونَ يَوْمًا قَالَ They kept asking him, 40 what? 40 years? 40 months? 40 days? Abu Huraira kept saying, I refuse to acknowledge what you're saying. Why is that? In the hadith, Abu Huraira said to them, the difference between it will be 40, and then stopped. They asked him, is it 40 years you mean? He said, I can't say. 40 months? 40 days? 40 what? He said, I can't say. Why couldn't he say? He didn't know. He didn't know. Abu Hurairah didn't know. All he knew was that it's 40. 40 something. But he didn't have details and knowledge of 40 what? 40 what? It will be the gap between the first blowing of the horn and the second blowing of the horn. So that will be the blowing of the trumpet, the horn. When the blowing of the horn occurs that is the signalling of the day of judgment and then the people will be resurrected and raised from their graves they will be resurrected and raised from their graves al-hashr and that resurrection will occur different for believers for disbelievers as for the believers, they will be raised up mukramoon, with honor. And they will be shining on the body parts that they used to make their wudu upon. As for the disbelievers, they will be raised up deaf and dumb and blind. Summun bukmun Upside down على على They will be raised up And resurrected upside down On their heads Walking on their heads One of the companions said to the Prophet How? كيف? Upside down So the Prophet Said Allah The one who created you to walk Like this in this way on your legs He created you to be like that. He is certainly capable of therefore creating them on that day to walk on the other way around, upside down on their heads, to dishonor them. Allah will cause them to be upside down on their heads in that way. That will be the different mannerisms of the resurrection. Kuffar will be dishonored. The believers will be honored. Kuffar upside down on their heads. Upside down, deaf and dumb and blind. The believers with honor, with their body part shining from where they used to make wudu. This is the difference between the one who is a believer and the one who is not. The one who is practicing his religion, the one who is not. And that is why Abu Huraira said, فَمَنْ كَانَ يَسْتَطِيعَ مِنْكُمْ أَنْ يُطِيلَ غُرَّةَ فَلْيُطِلْ أو Whomsoever from amongst you is able to extend his wudu area, then do it. That is ijtihad from Abu Hurairah. And it is not actually a sunnah to do so. The wudu, you make it up to the actual wudu areas. You don't say, let's make it longer and this will be shining on that day as well. That was ijtihad from Abu Hurairah. Ijtihad of the companion. But what the scholars, they say is in the actual words of the Prophet wasallam, it doesn't mention that. So you should stick to the body parts where they are. And those body parts will be shining on that day. Then after that resurrection is a question. And this is where we'll continue from next time on this question. Where will the resurrection occur? Where does it happen? Is this earth where the resurrection will happen? Everybody will come out alive on this earth. This is where the resurrection will happen? Or does the resurrection happen somewhere else? They will all be raised up in some other place. Where is the land where the resurrection happens on? Saudi Arabia, Arabia, MashaAllah. Yemen is the land where everybody is gathered together. But the resurrection, is it this earth or is it somewhere else? There are two opinions. There are two opinions. That's what we'll start with next week insha'Allah. Start with the section regarding where does the resurrection happen. And then there's going to be about the balance, the weighing scale on the day of judgment, all of your deeds go into it. And the accountability on that day. And the bridge you walk across. All of these things are mentioned by the author in this section. That is where we'll pick up from the next week insha'Allah ta'ala we'll conclude upon that point for today any questions? Sheikh, uh, when we're in
1: Barzakh and you're on the blessing side on the day of judgment is the memory raised off? it's obviously when you go from here then uh, you go into blessing on the other side Can you remember anything?
0: <laughs> Allah alam. There's no details mentioned about that I don't know anything, any hadith, any sunnahs That tell you about these details Will yeah, you remember or not?
1: Refresh, no,
0: about? I don't know any details about that Allah alam. And <laughs> uh, uh,
1: the other question is uh, uh, The questioning time of Munkar and mm. When does that happen?
0: Straight after the burial Because the Prophet ﷺ said When they buried uh, one of the people He said to the companions Make dua for him Because now he is being questioned in the grave As soon as they buried him The Prophet ﷺ said Make dua for your companion li yus'al al-an. قال, Make dua for your companion He is being asked right now So that indicates As soon as that burial occurs The questioning occurs
1: Hmm. Is the the deceased aware of uh, things happening around him?
0: There's a hadith which mentions that the deceased hears the footsteps of his family walking away. After you do the burial and everything and you make a dua and then you start walking away. There's a hadith that says the deceased hears the footsteps of the people walking away. I
1: mean, uh, when he's been giving kutal or... Uh, he's been, uh, at the time
0: of the ghusl and those I don't know of anything uh, again Which says that he's aware of those things The default is that a dead person isn't aware After he's buried you go there Shout and scream The dead person doesn't hear you The dead people don't hear you then So uh, at that moment as well I don't know anything which says that they hear you And they're aware then The only thing it says is As you walk away from the grave They hear the <laughs> They hear the footsteps of the family walking away
1: is there
0: any narration about uh, being gentle with the body? Because Absolutely. Be the- there are narrations, it says, about the body, The <laughs> The respect and the honor you have to give to the dead body is the same respect and honor you would give to him when he was alive. Don't mess about with the body. Do the ghusl carefully, carry him carefully. Don't break the bones. Be very careful. You give honor to that body as you would honor him alive. There are narrations about that. So you have to be careful in the ghusl and carefully and with respect to everything and do the shrouding and the burial and everything. Even some scholars, they say, when you go to bury, when you go into the graveyard, into the main section where all the graves are, take your shoes off. There are some narrations and some scholars do mention that. When you're on the footpaths, that's okay. On the footpaths, no problem. When you go off to go into the grave where he's going to be buried, there'll be other graves here, here, here. That part in there, they say, take your shoes off. Have respect for the dead people who are there. Don't walk with your shoes on top of them and next to their graves. Some scholars say that. Mm. Huh. So if, if the soul is, let's say a person's soul comes out as a believer. Mm. Will you still get punishment in the grave? Yes, it's possible. That... How the soul comes out is very general. Some believers they may come every every person comes out with some difficulty. You experience some difficulty at death. That's mentioned in the narrations. bi araq al Every person dies with sweat on his forehead, meaning there is some difficulty every person experiences, including the believer. The Prophet at the time of death the narrations mentioned from the pain how he was moving the cloth up and down onto his face. There is some difficulty, no doubt, but those narrations are general to explain that the believer has a lot more ease compared to a disbeliever and the difficulty he faces. But believers, of course, they can be in the punishment. It's possible they may be in the punishment of the grave due to sins that they committed. Well, like you said, the believer the uh martyrs, their souls are in birds in paradise. Prophets and messengers are higher than that. So no doubt they are in blessings. They are in blessings of the grave. You know any reason for that I'm not aware, it becomes ten times as heavier. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Does it really become heavier? I don't know.
1: No, it isn't because of, um, we just did a burial. Mm. One of it's the a of Not necessarily.
0: I don't know. I don't think it becomes heavier or no, anything. No, it no, no.
1: We just did a burial about a month ago, yeah. and I—I I was one of the persons mm. who took the rope.
0: Mm.
1: This, exactly. It's the same. It's the same. It's just because it, it, because of the boxes. I get no, just the
0: way it is. But there's no reason for it to be heavier, and there's nothing about that. These topics we can do it next time if you want to. A small section we'll do it about these janaza issues. The, the coffin and the buried and the janaza. We'll do a small section just 10 minutes next week. These yes, details. We'll do it. We'll do it. InshaAllah. Hmm. Remind me huh? on, on Saturday or something. InshaAllah. Alas we'll conclude that for today then. Carry on next week.